Dennis Cox with you alongside Luis Fernandez. Graham Hill producing us this afternoon right here on 99.9 The Fan. Canes game four tonight must win. We all know it's at stake. Simple as that. There's literally no other option. Well, I mean, there is, but it was. I mean, there are, there are two options here. It's, well, either way, you're coming home. Either you're winning and That's coming true. back home to play again at PNC Arena one more time at least, or you're coming home and you're going back to your couch. That's a good point. Like the rest of us. So you're coming home either way. Are you coming home with a win and your season continuing, or are you coming back with a loss? We'll get into that. Kevin Keats said some pretty important things, in my opinion, about the state of the ACC right now and how the ACC can change its perception. ACC baseball championships going on right now. The Celtics got a win, but let's get to the Daily Checkdown, our first thing here. The Daily Checkdown brought to you by Window Nation, the sports betting bill in the state of North Carolina. Currently going through some Senate subcommittees right now. They have made some changes to what the House of Representatives passed a few weeks ago. But it looks like, Luis Fernandez, we're getting a little bit closer it, it, to steps, sports betting. Steps in the right process. Mm-hmm. Uh, WR Sports' uh, sports investigative reporter Brian Murphy joined us and, and kind of talked us through it a little bit. This is why it's important to pay attention to your civics and economics class when yes. you're in school. Watch Parks and Rec. Parks you'll, and Rec. you'll learn some things. Great example. Um, but some of the main differences being that the amount of money being taxed on this is rising from 14% to 18% because some of the money that is going to be get that the, the state will be collecting from these different bets that are being placed uh, will go back to some of the, the schools, the state schools, state uh, universities, state yes. universities, essentially every state university that is not UNC and NC state, the ones that are uh, underfunded in some ways are, mm-hmm. are not um, as much money as like, as they would like to help boost their athletic program. The initial bill did not include UNC, Charlotte, East Carolina, or app state. So basically it was, Every state university that wasn't an FBS school, so yeah. 10 of the 15. So this included Winston-Salem State, Fayetteville State, North Carolina Central, North Carolina A&T State, Elizabeth City State. Uh, so again, these state universities, Western Carolina, for example, UNC Wilmington, UNCG. So these were schools, again, that don't have FBS football or may not even have football as a whole. Well, they included it now, again, the non-ACC state universities. This is different than private schools. Like Wake Forest yes. and Duke are not those included are not in this because those the, are private universities. The North Carolina umbrella. Yes. So this they now have factored in App State, East Carolina, Charlotte. and UNC Charlotte. $300,000 a year going from sports gambling to each of the, the 12 schools that are under the state umbrella, or I guess 13, that aren't UNC and NC State. So again... Elizabeth City State, NC Central, um, I think St. Augs, Shaw University. These these are schools, these are programs and universities that that money goes a very long way. It means a lot in terms of their their overall budget. So that that is it could be a, a good change to it. Of course, there's still a lot more that has to go through the process. Another thing too that Brian Murphy mentioned is essentially part of this change is you're transitioning from sports lounges yeah. to sports books straight up. Uh, you would have these sports books would be placed in professional uh, organizations at the actual location. So, like, for example, we've been talking hurricanes. 
PNC Arena, uh, where not only would you be able to go and just kind of check out to see what's going on, place the bets on your mobile app, you'd be able to walk up and say, hey, here's 20 bucks on Sebastian Ajo scoring the first yeah. goal. By the way, I misspoke on Shaw. Shaw's a, pr- a private school. Oh, okay, my, my, okay. I misspoke on that. My apologies on that. Back-checking over. No, no. Responsibility. Yeah, I, I want to make sure I get that, that kind of stuff correct. But nevertheless, um, the money goes to benefit these schools. Yes. And I think an influx of money, especially to the smaller, the mid-tier and smaller universities, goes a long, long way. So, again, some of the smaller schools like Fayetteville State or Elizabeth City State, $300,000 is legit like 30% of, roughly around 30% of their athletic department budget currently. Yeah. I mean, that's a massive boost that you can improve facilities. And just also... Things you have to keep in mind as well is that no matter what division of college athletics you play, I played Division Three. You're still competing, like yeah. you're still putting your body physically on the line, just as much as any other level. And to provide the proper training staffs, the proper equipment, training equipment in terms of just athletic training, all those kinds of things that you can actually help with athletes and the bodies uh, and helping preserve their bodies through the the wear and tear this kind of money goes a long way so in hindsight that hindsight but as a whole going through the state senate it's going through subcommittees right now but things are moving forward yes the the one that you're going to want to circle as for oh yeah it's about to happen is when uh governor roy cooper actually signs it that will be the hey yep we're good so but a few more steps uh, on the way there before that is all set up let's move on to number four one of the four, all of the four, or half of the four. Going to the NBA, uh, yes. we, we almost had a situation where we were going to have a possibility of four sweeps between the NHL and the NBA in all of their conference finals. However, Nuts. the Boston Celtics said, no, not today. We will get a win. And now the Boston Celtics trail the Miami Heat 3-1 to one after winning in Miami in game four. Uh Does this change the series? A friendly reminder that no team in the NBA has ever come back from a 3-0 deficit. That's happened a few times in MLB. It's happened a few times in the NHL. It has never happened in the NBA. However, the Celtics are similar to the Canes in that they are the higher seed. So now for Game 5, it's a 3-1 lead. Now for Game 5, instead of Celtics having to go to Miami, they will get to return home to Boston where... You would assume it would be easier for them to get the win. It could bring it to 3-2 before having to go back to Miami. Mm-hmm. But if there's one person I would not bet against in this edition of the NBA playoffs, it would be Hemi Butler. Okay, yeah, Jimmy Butler. I like how you use a soft J there uh, again with his Hemi. name. Now, here's the one thing. That I'm, the perception of Jimmy Butler is just how great he is in the playoffs. And I'm not trying to take away anything from that. But there are guys who have been to the NBA Finals more often who have won championships who catch a lot of heat from fans and from media about their lack of accomplishments or their lack of production in the playoffs. Yeah, Jimmy Butler's only been in the NBA Finals once. It's one of those things where I I'm just wondering, like, 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 why are we so selective? Like, if this is a thing that frustrates me with sports media a lot. Yeah, yeah. Is that how we get selective – with how we have our, our narrative towards certain athletes well, and certain certain players. Yeah. But it's like, well, we like Jimmy, therefore we're going to talk about great Adam. But the exact same stuff might be doing, like, for example... Nikola Jokic. Nikola Jokic. 
this is his first ever trip to the NBA playoffs. But again, like how the conversation around Joel Embiid takes place. Again, all these kinds of these these narratives that we we put on athletes are so selective, and we're not consistent with what we talk about when it comes to them. Yeah, and that drives me nuts. I I will say some of it is just about the likability of the individual athlete. Like Jimmy Butler is a yeah. really likable dude. He really he is. Does, he does Mick Ultra commercials, and he he wears yeah, his coffee. He, he runs around yelling at Carl Anthony Towns and the Minnesota Timberwolves. Like he he's fun. Tobias Harris over me. Um, he's a fun guy, but. The, the thing is, I, I, I think this is definitely sports media as a whole, mm-hmm. but in the NBA sports media, it's ratcheted up a degree. The The dialogue around the greatness of players in the NBA is putrid. It is toxic. Terrible. I hate it so much. Like, we give credit to Jimmy Butler because it's like he's all carrying the team versus like someone like Jokic who... Is it's finally the team. He, well, he's, he's finally getting his flowers, or it feels like from the greater media group. Even though he's a two-time MVP, yeah. and he's one of the, he's the he is the best player in the world right now. Jokic is, and, and so uh, the the dialogue around how we look at these players, I just think it's it's very bad and dumb. And there needs to be better conversations around them. The NFL is better, but even like the NFL, it's the second Patrick Mahomes stumbles in the regular season, it's like, oh, he's not the best quarterback anymore. Uh, of course he is. Is so and so the best? I'm like, don't get over. Stop it. getting bored. Like, yeah, that's what it is. Well, I, I turn to, for example, like Chris Paul. He's been to the finals once. Yes, it was with the Phoenix Suns very recently. Okay, how much? Flack does Chris Paul get for his lack of postseason success? A right? lot, and 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 you know a why? Lot. You know why that is? Why? Because people don't like Chris Paul. Like that's that's the main reason. Yeah, it's it, it becomes too personal. I think a lot of times. There you go. Yeah, you drop the right word. It gets personal. Next up, one two three. ACC baseball championship taking place out of the D BAP right now. Uh, you were there yesterday. I was. It was it was absolutely fantastic. It's beautiful out there. If if you're not watching the Canes game, I suggest you get out to Durham Bulls Athletic Park and just enjoy beautiful weather. It's nice to just sit there and just watch baseball. We actually had a couple local teams playing each other last night. UNC did get a win yesterday over Georgia Tech. They won that game uh, in their pool play. Their next 11 game to five. is uh, eleven to five. Their next game is tomorrow. I believe they take on Miami. If actually, if I remember correctly, no, they, no, no, they no, will I'm take sorry. on NC State. Will uh, play Miami. They play Virginia. They play Virginia. My apologies on that. Uh, Duke played NC State. Yesterday, NC State, we talked to Darren Vaught about this yesterday. NC State, from what he said, needs to at minimum get to the champion, at least to the semifinals this weekend. If not, at least get to the championship to to feel at least somewhat comfortable about getting in, even though uh, NC State uh, baseball, NC State baseball last year. Got to the got to the conference championship game against North Carolina, lost, but still didn't get into the NCAA tournament in the field of 64. But it was a big win in extra innings, 11 innings uh, for NC State over Duke. Duke that seems to, that is a lock. Yeah, Duke's a lock. Duke's a lock to get in. Now they're just trying to see hopefully if they can host yeah. a regional. And that's that's what's so tricky about for those of you who don't know with the ACC baseball championship, the tournament. It starts off with pool play, so you have yeah. four pools three teams in each pool yep. and the team with the best record out of that pool advances to the semifinals and then eventually finals should it's a, they yeah, win it's a that. single elimination tournament from there but the issue is because it's 
three teams in this pool play. You're only playing two games. Yeah. So you lose a game, you're in, you're in a tough spot if yeah. you want to try and advance. So, But Duke is... You know, I, I think I was looking at uh, Baseball America's uh, bracket breakdown, if you mm-hmm. will. It's like how we look at the March Madness for men's and women's. And uh, they had Duke as a two-seed, I believe. I forget the region specifically. But yeah. then they had NC State as part of the last four in. Yeah. So really cannot emphasize enough how much State needs to continue to win. If State beats Miami... But then they're 2-0 and they advance to the semifinals, and that would be a good position for them. But, yes, I think state fans are a little bit uh, uh, jaded, if you will, at oh, the yeah. moment because of going to the ACC championship game and still not making it in uh, last year. So that it's it's one of those things where they won't believe it until it actually happens. That's, that's the position. Next up. And I don't even care who number two is. Speaking of NC State, Kevin Keats, NC State men's basketball coach, spoke to the media today. And something that he brought up that I thought was really eye-opening was about how the ACC as a whole, specifically when it comes to basketball, could do a better job of elevating itself. We've got to do a good job, a better job promoting our league. Uh, I think our network has to do a better job promoting our league. Uh, We, as a, a league, have performed very well in the tournament. But... You can't tell me that in a 15-team league with really good um, programs that we should be getting just five teams in. Mm-hmm. And I think one of our jobs as coaches is we've got to do a better job of trying to win in November and December uh, because the committee seems to me to be putting a lot of um, you know emphasis on your early wins opposed to what happens in your league. We have lived a little bit lately on the reputation of the league in basketball, and I think we need to get back to you know promoting it more than we do. All right, three things that popped out into that. Go ahead. Okay. One, about the network, the ACC network, and just ESPN as a whole, but the ACC network, people in the media nationally helping drive the perception of the league by basically glorifying it. Again, I guess kind of times was part about living off the reputation of the ACC. Yeah. So that's the three. That's first of three. The second one was about scheduling, about winning non-conference games, but also scheduling in the non-conference, how it actually will boost the profile of the league as a whole. But again, you can't ride just the perception of the ACC anymore. The way the selection committee does things now about how they make their determinations, the numbers, the, the data actually matters a lot. For example, Clemson with the season that they had this past year was it 24 wins, something along those lines. Double-digit wins in the ACC. In the past, I would have been locked. Locked to make the NCAA tournament. Not the case anymore. One of the things that Keats mentioned, too, as he was talking about that was was with Clemson specifically, because if if you remember back in in the spring, I think there was almost this feeling that, like, it had to be one or the other with State or Clemson. Yeah. And he said what ultimately may have sunk Clemson was losing at Louisville to a bad Louisville yes. team late in the season. But he's like, it's. It, he, he said it feels almost like there needs to be um, like super quads or something along those lines because given this kind of situation, because it, it, some of it is about context, right? Like Cle- Louisville was not a good team. Clemson should, should have beat Louisville. But they were coming in. It was a road game, an ACC game late in the season. Louisville was celebrating its last national championship. There was a lot of context uh, around that. So it's 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 tough because I think we we want to be able to say here is a formula to determine yes this team is going to make the tournament. This team is deserves to make the tournament. Was well, that what the net is? Well, that's that's what the net's supposed to be. But I don't think that is ever going to exist 
Like there's there's no way to properly put into context everything just from a pure analytical perspective. But this is where the analytics and the numbers actually do come into factor. So yes. being better in November or December. If the ACC, in my opinion, if they drop down to 18 conference games as opposed to having 20, you can schedule a, a one of those early season you, you, more opportunities to schedule those early season multiple team in one location tournaments. Like, for example, like the Maui Invitational or the the one down in the Bahamas, like those kinds of things. The Battle for Battle Atlantis. For Atlantis yeah, yeah, Battle for Atlantis. The, for example, NC State's going to Vegas this upcoming year. If they can get into more of those where they can boost their non-conference profile, when you do that and you drive up your net rankings early in the season, when you get into conference play, if everyone has an elevated net ranking, well, now you're competing against other teams throughout the season with other higher net rankings. Therefore, no one... No one team or two schools, in this case this past year with Louisville and Florida State, dragging you down. Yeah. Because Florida State, Louisville, stinking. Absolutely terrible in the non-conference. Like, awful. That dragged the league down as a whole. Yeah. A lot of people like to use last year the Mountain West Conference, right? As the team, like, oh, look at the Mountain West. Look at their net rankings and stuff. They're better than the ACC. No, No, they're not. No, they're not as a whole. If you look at what they did scheduling non-conference, Nevada, who finished high in their rankings in the, in the regular season this past year in, the, in terms of their league standings, played on the road at Kansas. Okay, so it's a road game at Kansas, quad one game. It was a quote-unquote quality loss. So that boosted their strength of schedule. Playing that game on the road also mattered a lot. So when Nevada got a bunch of wins in their non-conference – they got all these good wins, had the, the it boost their strength of schedule, having played Kansas. So now when they got into conference play, when other teams played against Nevada, that game against Kansas elevated all those other teams in the conference because, again, that elevated Nevada's net rankings, and everyone else was able to feed off that. So that boosted their net rankings. But, again, everyone, it, did, it feeds itself. So if you have lower net rankings as a conference, you're feeding bad net rankings into yourself. If you have higher not net rankings as a conference, you're feeding that into yourself. So that's how the ACC can better strategically manipulate net rankings to boost its academic, its its analytic profile. Which Again, like, perception perception is built off these net rankings. Now. Yeah, and ultimately that's a good thing. We want we want teams to play good teams before conference starts. Like yeah. as from a basketball perspective, you you from just a fan perspective, you want to have that happen. But now it's, I think it's just about catching up to what things are and understanding that you have to help yourself as well as your conference in what you do. All right, final thing here on the Daily Checkdown brought to you by Window Nation. I am Game four. Let's get it. I'm, I'm not saying they're going to win. I mean, they better. But they're due. Well, yes, of course they better. But they're due for a win, aren't they? I mean, tell me yes. Yeah, no, yes. Okay, good. When when you play, hold on, I have the. Uh, let me let me get up my little my little notepad here. You when you stats. get, yeah, let me hold on. Can you can you hear the little notepad? Yes, I do. There you go. Um, thir- over thirteen periods have been played in this game. Just mm-hmm. over thirteen because of all the overtimes. Two hundred and sixty-one minutes and thirty-eight seconds of hockey. That's a lot of hockey. Neither team has led by more than one goal. Hmm. When you play 
games that tightly, it could go either way because that's when you're in a situation where it is one play from determining who wins and who loses, which we've seen. Unfortunately, all of those one plays have fallen on the side of the Panthers for uh, the Hurricanes this this series, which is, I mean, it's it's frustrating. It's, it's frustrating. That, it's that now or never mindset, and Rob Brennamore, head coach of the Carolina Hurricanes, talked about that now or never mindset. We have to prepare to play a game. Whether we, we were up 3 on them or down there, it'd be the same preparation. It'd be the same. You're not going to ask, try to change things or... You know, you're making tweaks. Yes, those are little adjustments, but you've been making those all along. It's, you know, it's never looking at the big picture. And sometimes it's easier when, to be honest, when you're at the end, you've got one way to do it. And if it doesn't work, it's, it's you know, there's no, we don't have it tomorrow, but we, you know, there's no real pressure on it because we know it's now or never. And let's, let's throw it out there and see what happens. And so we've pretty much done that every game anyway like I, i'd like to say we're you know, now we're going to try some no it's we got to try to do the same things give ourselves a chance to win um that's what we're uh, we're going to do and score yes please we we've talked about how four teams have come back from being down three nothing mm-hmm. in best of seven series and the two things that always happens in these in these series where someone has come back you have a momentum swinging game three or four where it's a tight overtime game and one team ultimately rebounds from it and takes the lead, takes the reins of that series. Mm -hmm. And when that team goes on that four-game winning streak and takes the series, their goal scored jumps significantly. You look at the Kings as the most recent example. It happened in 2014. Uh, The Kings were scoring just about two and a half goals per game when they were losing, and they were scoring nearly five goals per game when they were winning. So you, you have to find it. And the question to ask at least Seth Jarvis in this situation, is there anything they can do to score against Sergei Bobrovsky? I mean, uh, he's, he's quite unbelievable right now. You have to, you have to tip your cap, but getting pucks uh, from the point, we have to, as forward group, we have to get more bodies in front of them. That makes it tougher for any goalie on the planet is, is when there's traffic and you can hit a shin pad or, or, or lay there for a rebound. So we just need to do a better job of, of really digging in as a forward group and getting, getting uh, bodies in front of them. And Jarvis had a great opportunity in game one in overtime on yeah. the power play where Sebastian Ajo took a shot, rebound kicked off of Bobrovsky. He was recovering after the initial shot, and Seth Jarvis elevated the puck exactly the way he needed to do, put it right there at the crossbar, and unfortunately it hit the underneath part of the crossbar, bounced straight down, or like bounced straight back out. That was it, like a centimeter down, or even just how the puck was flipping when it hit the crossbar. That's the difference between winning game one in overtime and eventually losing at the end of the fourth overtime. Like that, that's that's that razor yeah. thin margin, and it, the narrative around this series is completely different. You go go to game two, for example, an opportunity that we saw Carolina was dominant early on. I thought in that game, they got the early goal from Jalen Chatfield less than two minutes into the game. I was like, hey, great. Great Good way start, to start yeah. the game. Yeah, Mike, you just lost in four overtimes, but you're here you are scoring off a deflection in front by one of your defensemen. You get a deflection in front, and then it looked like Florida Panthers had scored a goal. They were offsides, right call. Okay, then we get to Carolina scoring. Jack Drury buries one right under the crossbar, right over the shoulder of Bobrovsky. But they review that play. Mackenzie McKechnie slightly offsides. Slightly. The puck was just just came out past the blue line. So, yeah, slightly offsides. 
that's that razor thin margin between being up two nothing and then eventually Florida escapes the first period only down one nothing. They tie it and obviously win an OT. So just small, so many small margins. The Canes hit the post like three times. For example, Brett Pesci's shot in Game Three goes through Bobrovsky, like under his blocker, off his midsection, hits the pipe and goes out. It's just. They can't buy anything. They can't even buy it right now. The best goalies are going to make that net feel so small. Yep. And right now, that's just where they're at. It feels so small. And what, what Bobrovsky has been able to do, it's been infectious for that entire Florida Panthers team. And so if you, if you want to be able to make this comeback happen, even if you want to just get one win, you got to be able to make him doubt himself. 